The following is a Kingfisher Media production. Hey guys, you're listening to the In the Blood podcast. I am your host, AC Bergen Fisher, and thank you so much for listening, whether you are a new or returning listener. I'd like to invite you to find a quiet place where you consider what's being shared with an open mind and a receptive heart. Before we begin, though, the following disclaimer. I am not a therapist, and nothing presented here should be considered as therapy. If you feel that therapy would be beneficial, please seek out a licensed therapist who you trust. Janelle, welcome to the show. Thank you. So the, the reason I wanted to have Janelle back is I, I was surprised to learn that every October there's something called Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And domestic violence is something that affects so many people that I guess all of us care about. And it, it's something that has personally affected Janelle. And um, last episode, I had talked about when it's time to say goodbye to a certain type of relationship. And what I wanted to do was to have Janelle back to to talk about that process, specifically when you're trying to make the determination of when to say goodbye to an abusive partner, maybe some of the thought process that goes along with that. And um, a lot of the content from the last episode was based on a conversation that Janelle and I had um, not with the microphones in front of us. Obviously, it was just a case of us just sitting around and chatting about things. And I thought instead of me prattling on relentlessly, what I would do is maybe run some of these points by her and put her in the hot seat and see what she's got to say about these. Does that sound like something that you're interested in doing, Janelle? It is. I think it needs to be told too. Okay. So be before we get into it, like, what does Domestic Violence Awareness Month mean to you like on a personal level? On a personal level, I feel that it means that there are struggles that everybody deals with. There's times where people aren't able to speak up. And there's times where when people are aware of abuse, other people can be aware of it as well. I know there's a lot of there's a lot of things about it. Okay, so when you say that when people are aware of it, other people are aware of it as well. Like how how is that helpful from your perspective? It would be like when people say there's a family member who's aware that someone in their family is being abused. Mm -hmm. They can send a message or they can just send a text saying, you know, I'm thinking about you and I hope all is well. If you need help, reach out and we'll make a safe word. Stuff like that. So as long as a family member is aware that stuff is going on in their family situation, they'll be able to know that there's. I guess they could, they could know to like keep an eye on you of nothing yeah. else, right? Like if they know you're in a bad way. Right. Okay. Yeah. And the other thing too that like I thought was interesting when you and I were talking originally was 
realizing how many different forms abuse actually takes. Like when I think about abuse, I think specifically in terms of violence, right? Like somebody's going to come and like punch their wife in the face. I mean, that's a fairly obvious example of abuse, but part of the conversation I was hoping to have today would be to cover some of the other things that might also be seen as abusive, whether it's like openly abusive or abuse through neglect. Am I making sense or? Yeah, no abuse. Actually it can be invisible as well as visible. So what I mean is like verbal abuse, you can be verbally abused. That doesn't really leave visible scars but it leaves scars in a different kind of way. Whereas physical abuse, you'll get bruises, you'll get scratches, you'll get cuts, you'll get every kind of physical mark out there. But invisible marks, they actually affect you in a different way. Hmm. Okay, I think well, ba- based on that point, it, it's not like it's a direct path to the first thing I wanted to talk about, but it, <laughs> it's close enough where I'm just going to say, hey, that's where I was going anyways. <laughs> <laughs> But the the first thing that we had talked about and with our conversation and also the well that last episode I did, the first point was that it may be time to say goodbye to a relationship. And again, this is all going to be within the context of somebody coming out of an abusive situation this week. Right. So that first point would be your your needs aren't being met or they are being dismissed. So in the context of an abusive relationship, what do you have to say about that? So in that context, what that means is when you tell your partner that you don't like the way that you're being treated, they're just going to blow you off and say, oh, I didn't mean it, or they're joking around or whatever, and they'll blow it off until there's a time where it becomes so obvious that you just, you're not interested anymore and you don't want to play their games. Okay. So when you get tired of playing their games, you say, look, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. We like, can change I, 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 or I can go. There's a time to lay ground rule down. And if they don't want to follow the rules, then you have the right to leave. You don't have to be obligated to stay. If they don't want to put their part in, you're ob- you're not obligated to stay and put up with their shit. So, like, one of your needs, obviously, being uh, the need to be safe. Right. The need to be, to have your feelings acknowledged. Yeah. And when you express, like, an actual legitimate concern, like, hey, can you please stop beating me up? Can you please stop using those words? Stop calling those names? Just stop in general whatever you're doing and they brush you off like if i'm reading you correctly that brush off is a form of abuse in itself yes it is because if they wanted to use you as a punching bag they could go out and just get a punching bag but they'd rather use you instead so like when when you tell me about stuff like that my next question actually kind of ties into the next point because my next question would be like, well, how do you, how do you maintain yourself emotionally when you're living with an abuser? And like the next point on the list was it may be time to leave if your needs are met by everybody except for the person in question. 
what did you do? Like, how did you lean on other people when you couldn't lean on your abusive partner? That's a good question, actually. It became, an, it was actually a really interesting story. There was a time where I would start reaching out to people and asking their input. You know, there's a time where I had a friend come over and she brought her baby over with her and she would notice how my partner was abusing me verbally. And she, when he'd leave, she would ask, why do you put up with this? Mm. And I, I didn't really know what to say. And she kind of put me on the spot there. Why do I put up with this? This is supposed to be normal, isn't it? This is part of a relationship. People fight. She's like, no, not like this. And not in front of people. And she's like, does he do this often? I was like, well, it's a regular basis thing. I don't really think too much on it. But after her conversation with me about it, I started kind of paying attention a little more. And things kind of like stuck out a little more. <laughs> but just, I'd address him about it and he would just dismiss as usual. Or he'd blow it off, change the subject, and just avoid it at any cost. Seems like everything just keeps coming right back to that dismissal factor, right? Yeah. So let me ask you this. I mean, while we're talking about needs that are either being met, not being met, being met by the right people, the wrong people, whatever. Like, what are some of the, the most important needs that you had that were left unfulfilled or that were just openly dismissed? Um, communication, honesty. I don't know. It's a variety of things. Okay, well, let's seize on the communication factor because that's the first one that you mentioned. Like, I I was there for the tail end of that situation you were in. Yeah. And I know I was one of those people that you did communicate with. And I think, like, you and I ended up becoming really good friends because of some of these conversations that we had. Yeah. Do you think that if he had been a more effective communicator that maybe he he might have been a little less abusive, a little less explosive. I think so, yeah. If he was more open about his past at least, we we could have worked some shit out. I know people are like kind of weird about being open about their past relationships because they think people are going to judge. But I was willing to have that conversation with him. Right? Like he went through some traumatic stuff growing up, but he wanted to hide behind it. And that's not how you deal. Right? So that's why I was trying to like communication. I will tell you my problems if you tell me yours and we can work together. Okay. So let, let, let's try a little role playing exercise based on that. Okay. Okay. Because one thing I, I mean, I, I'm reasonably comfortable with a, a guy's perspective on this. I think I have an okay-ish understanding maybe of where a woman's coming from, but I don't know. But I think especially for somebody who's kind of like, I don't want to say like a young adult, but like an older adult like like me right now, we were raised by people who grew up in a different time and we were taught different things that would never fly in 2023 <laughs> as far as fathers teaching sons. 
but one of the things I was taught when I was a kid was, you know, there there wasn't room for me to express myself emotionally. You know, right. boys don't cry, that whole kind of crap. Yeah. And so when I grew up, one of the biggest struggles I had to overcome, and I know this is something I've heard you mention about your your ex before, is the phrase, I can't have this conversation. I'm a proud man. It's not my way. So if I was going to come to you right now and like you're coming to me, you're saying, hey, I got these <laughs> needs. You're dismissing them. I need you to communicate. And I say to you, I'm a proud man. Communicating about feelings is not my way. What would you like to say to a guy who's coming at you like that? I would like to tell them to go stuff it up their butt. Well, you know what? That's honest. I love that. It is. Why, though? Because it makes them feel like they're not obligated to express. Like they're somehow like it is beneath them or you're yeah. not worth the time or like where All are you? That. Okay. All of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was short and sweet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So like that, that, that kind of like, again, it's like conveniently just happens to lead into the next point. Whereas it may be time to say goodbye to a relationship. If asking for more leads instead to more conflict, more dismissal, or more emotional distance. Like what was your experience when you were asking for more after saying, look, you keep on dismissing me, you know, does it ever get to a place where it's like change or else, or is there a different approach that happens first? Like what? I, I actually played that card game. I played the change or else I'm leaving. And it ended up that I, he didn't want to change. So I left. He didn't like that. So what would happen, like, I mean, obviously you didn't just leave and then that was the end of the story. No. You left and came back a bunch of times, I'm guessing. At least over a hundred. Okay. So what can you, what was the routine? What was the cycle? You say smarten up or I'm packing my stuff and leaving. And then you would pack your stuff and leave. What happened next? I would leave. I wouldn't have an exact game plan in mind. So the whole point was just to get away. That was the main goal. Get out of the house, get the kid away from him, and then come up with another step with the help of someone else. Mm. So we would go to a shelter. I'd go and talk to somebody, get a lot of stuff off my chest, and then I'd be able to have a clear mind to think of my next steps, which was not to go and block his number, but to go straight to the courthouse and ramble on about stuff that I just clearly wasn't prepared for. I didn't know what my next steps were. Do I get a pair? Do I get a custody order? Do I get a? So your mind order? obviously was just like too scrambled from it being was. fresh in the situation. It really was. I didn't have a support system. I so didn't did, have did, did he play to this to. against you then? Or he did. Yeah. He's like, oh, you'll have nowhere to go. And, and in a way, he was right. I didn't have anywhere to go. I didn't have money. So what did you do? Did you go back? I'd end up going back. And then how was it when you would first get back? Like that first few days? The uh, first few days, it would be fine. He'd be all happy that we were home. He'd be kind and reassuring. He'd check in, say how, see how I'm doing. And then he'd go back to his regular, I'll, I'll see you after work. He'd go to work and I'd stay home with the baby and I'd clean the house and do a, take the kid for a walk, do the usual stuff we do before. I'd call his mother 
check in with her, see how she's doing. Tell her, you know, here's some thoughts I've had. I want to run them by you, see your thoughts on them. And then he would come home and he'd be angry. And I couldn't figure out why. Hmm. And then I put two and two together. Oh, I just got off the phone with mom. She's doing fine, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, okay. It didn't even occur to me. Whatever I had asked her earlier that day, she had run it by him and he blew up. So the only support system you had had a direct line back to your abuser and trying to get help just ended up getting you harm instead. Yeah. How fun. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it this went on for quite a while, actually, until my eldest was like three before I realized that this was going on. Okay, was, so at some point... I'm guessing you you came up with a different support system that wasn't entirely reliant on your abuser's mother. Yes. So once you had like this other support system in place, did there come a time where your support system is saying like, this is absolutely freaking ridiculous. You need to kick this guy to the curb or you need to pack your shit and move on. Like, was there any of those types of conversations? Those, there were a lot of those conversations I had. A friend, Marley, she actually like started saving money up for me and was telling me, you know, here's a shelter, here's a plan, this is what your next steps need to be. And when it became too overwhelming for her, she backed out. She couldn't handle it. That's kind of suck because like if you're trying to get support and you're just you're you're burning out your support system. Yeah. It's not the first time that's happened either. It's happened quite a few times. But meanwhile, you're expected to shoulder the brunt of all this abuse when yeah. like even people that are dealing with it on an extreme part-time basis, they're just like, yeah, I, I, I'm out. Mic drop, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, And I, I understand in a lot of cases because Marley had her own family to take care of. So she had her kids. She didn't want her kids surrounded by that stuff. I totally get it. Yeah. Right? Her husband's a hardworking guy. He works in construction. She's got two young kids. I'd come over, we'd talk and hang out, just do whatever, watch a TV show together. But then it was like, he would, there was always that lingering like thing where in the back of my head, I'm just like, you know, there's something bugging me and she could sense it. Hmm. Right. And so you couldn't just, just like relax and have tea with your lady friend. No, because I was always on edge. So, okay. So while you're saying this, I'm going to ask a question and. From your perspective, it's probably a really stupid question. Okay. But this is the first question that always comes up in my experience. And even when I ask it, I, I feel like, what is wrong with you? Why are you asking the stupid question? <laughs> but my question is, like, why do you stay? Why don't you just leave? And on last episode, I wasn't talking in terms of, like, an abuse situation. I was just talking in terms of, like, a normal-ish relationship that for whatever reason or reasons isn't working. And the reasons that I had come up with for sticking it out were like you feel obligated, you're in the habit of being with this person, or look, I've spent so much time with them already, I may as well just like keep on spending time with them. Do any of these apply to an abuse situation? Yes. I was stuck in this problem for a lot of years. There was always like, oh, if I leave, then I'm going to miss out on this plot time that's coming up. 
We're supposed to go to an event and I want to be there. Mm. Maybe I'll just postpone this getaway scheme for like next week. I played this over and over and over. Oh, so-and-so's coming in from England. I better be there. I have We have a big barbecue coming up and all this stuff. It was always those things that held me back that made me stay. I know it sounds really stupid, but that's what it was. I kind of get it, though, because, I mean, there, there's got to come a point where all this time that you've spent, you haven't just... <clears throat> it's not like you were just, like, crossing days off on the calendar every day you spend with a person is another day where your life becomes intertwined with theirs and yeah. there's got to come a point where i'm not really sure where my life ends and theirs begins and i might hate this person for what they're doing to me but i'm also like attached to them just i'm attached to my leg or my arm or my fingers right right is, is it like that yeah okay so yeah. it's not just a simple case of a woman who's being abused and sticks around is an idiot. She should know better. Like things are obviously way more complicated than that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not only that, but also like when someone says, why don't you just leave? You have to have a plan. I learned this a lot the hard way. <laughs> like I said, like when I constantly go to the shelter, but I'd have nowhere to go beyond that. Well, so you were like trying to like, make a plan while you were actively in it rather than making the plan and then putting yourself in it. Yeah. So it's like when you leave, you need to have money. You need to have a place to go. You need to be prepared to have somebody who's able to watch your kids. If you have any, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's factors that you need to consider. It's not just pack your crap, get the hell out, as easy as it is. It's especially hard when you don't have a vehicle. Oh, fair enough. I guess you start walking with a suitcase. It yeah. takes about eight seconds for him to catch up to you with a and car. And then you have neighbors who are just like, like, if, if, if your ex was to go up to neighbors and be like, have you seen so-and-so? Oh, yeah, she left going down the street in a suitcase. And then that's your dead giveaway gone. Oh, and the, and the neighbors, they probably, they've been told as well, like, hey, I'm not abusive. She's crazy. Yeah. I'm just trying to help her because I'm such a good guy. I mean, uh -huh. I've heard that story from so many women over the years. It, it yeah. seems like there's like an abuser's handbook and they all follow it, right? Right. Yeah. Um, there's also like what I was, this was, this is a really, 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 really bad one. Um, my ex claimed that he was going to have his buddies watching me or his friends watching me wherever I went. I was to check in with him on a certain basis. So whether it was he would call two or three times while he was at work and he would find out where I am, I would start making things up. So, hey, just wondering how things are. Oh, yeah, we're just going to the park, hmm. but we're actually at Safeway. Right. So kind of just like trying to be at least two steps ahead so that if he decides, oh, I'm just going to go and have so-and-so called and just say, hey, this is where she is. Go check on her. It was a fear tactic, I think. Okay. And well, I mean, my, my next point as far as, you know, when it might be time to say goodbye is you look at the situation, you realize you wasted a lot of time trying to work things out. 
did you try to work things out with your abusive ex? If so, what kind of things did you try and how effective were these things? So the things that I would try were couples counseling. That was a bomb drop because he never wanted to cooperate or participate because there was absolutely nothing wrong with him. Hmm. Right. So he was the good guy who knew everything. And I was the one who needed, who needed all the help naturally. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I'd go and do my counseling sessions. I would talk to whoever was on the street. I would go up to random people and just ask for a hug. That bad. eh? Yeah. There was people like, well, the, the, where we were, it was a small town. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, clearly we were known, like, by certain people. Oh, so you're not, like, going up to total strangers. <laughs> oh, no, like, we'd, okay. we'd run into people who were just shopping at Safeway or Save on Foods, and we'd see each other, like, almost every day. Oh, hey, so-and-so, how's it going? Oh, it's going great, awesome. And it's like, that's not really the case, is it? No, not really. Like, people knew. Because so you're the behavior just, like- played out in public as well. Okay, so it sounds like it wasn't like you actually had tactics or strategies that were effective in improving things. You were just sort of using like what I would refer to as like social crutches, right? Like I can, yeah, I'll, I'll get myself through the day by thinking about how warm your hug felt rather than focusing on, I wonder if he's going to pull my hair tonight. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then I guess the, the next thing is like again what we had talked about and what i had talked about on the last episode if you get to that point where if you're being honest with yourself you realize i i don't actually like this person anymore it might be time to go and this might be a stupid question to ask because you you haven't exactly painted a picture of a wonderful person but that being said i know that there there had to have been some good things about the relationship good things about the man that gave you something to, to kind of like hang on to on some level. All of that being said, did you get to that point where just like, yeah, I can't freaking stand you and I don't want to try anymore. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I woke up one morning and I was just like, what the hell am I doing? That sudden. Yeah. Just something in my brain clicked and was just like, you know, you only have this one life to live. Hmm. And you need to be happy. But when you're getting up in the morning to make a coffee and your kids are happily running around you in circles and all of a sudden you break down crying, something has to give. Yeah. And that's when you know you're you're really not fucking happy. Yeah, at fair all. Enough. And you sit on the floor and you start crying and rethinking your life choices. That's when you know something has to give. A mental breakdown making coffee. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's really I, I know I'm not the only one who's experienced this. There are those feelings of when you will start walking on eggshells, you're literally tiptoeing around the house and like looking for something that, you know, is probably going to piss him off that you need to fix when it gets to that point. Run. Okay, so the last point on the list was it might be time to leave if they are abusive. I don't think there's any point addressing that because I think you've painted a fairly clear picture of what abuse in the day-to-day actually looks like. Yes. I also want to leave you room to expand on these thoughts on life happens one step at a time, which 
as this project is shaping up, it, it, it's just some of the things you've been bouncing off of me is like, wow, this is going to be such a powerful thing. So keeping in mind that we are in domestic violence awareness month, yeah, you shared with me a little bit about what specifically your next episode is going to be about. Do you want to share just a little bit about what kind of subject matter you're planning to cover with that? So it's going to be about when your children witness abuse and how you should deal with it. When your kids are um, in the room with you, when you're experiencing abuse, you don't really know what to do. I know some people will be like telling their kids, go to another room, don't worry about it, it's nothing, they'll blow it off. Hmm. But when your kids start having physical and emotional challenges that come along with that and witnessing it, or they start doing it themselves because they think, well, daddy's doing it, I can do it too. Yeah. Right? It's not a good thing at all. You don't want your kids learning that this is okay to treat women this way. You want to teach your kids boundaries that are healthy. Yeah. You want to teach them, um, you know, just safety. Okay. Well, I, 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 I know you've got a lot of ground to cover there and I don't expect yeah. you to try to condense it into like <laughs> a, a, a 90 second wrap up at the, at the end of this show. But that sounds like some good stuff. And I think anybody who is affected by domestic violence could definitely benefit whether you're directly affected, whether you are, um, I guess indirectly affected, you know, like you're trying to play a supporting role in an abused person's life. Yeah. Maybe even if you are an abuser, you might not even realize how abusive you're being. I mean, I know it's domestic violence awareness month, but abuse doesn't have to be violent per se. And a lot of times we can find ourselves engaging in abusive patterns of behavior that we don't even realize are abusive patterns of behavior, right? right? None of us is immune, nope. especially those of us who have been traumatized. And that's why I always tell people, like, I'm a huge fan of therapy. If you've got yeah. access to a therapist, take advantage, please. If you think that coaching is a better fit for you, get some coaching, talk to your friends, just like whatever it takes, read some self-help books, just whatever it takes to start dealing with your stuff, deal with your stuff. Don't expect to like beat it out of your system by using another person as a punching bag, either verbally or physically. Right. Okay. So um, I'm not going to get too much on the soapbox there. Janelle, if you were going to give just some really, really quick advice in parting, to anybody who's listening who is concerned that maybe they are in an abusive relationship, what would you tell them based on your experience that they possibly already know, but maybe aren't willing to look at, but something they need to like realize and act on like right away? So what I've actually learned was have a safe word. Use it in a way that isn't going to alert your abuser. 
I know there's one that's called the call for pizza one where you call somebody like a police officer and say, hey, I'd like to order a pizza. Uh They're going to be confused at first, but I believe that more police officers are trained to like pick up and recognize that this is them asking for help through like a secret call type thing. So they'll address um They'll, they'll give the address. They'll say, you know, are you safe? You can say no. Um, what is your address? Hi, yes, thank you. The address is blah, blah, blah. Please leave it out front and knock on the door and then just hang up before your abuser is aware. But there's that. Um, and then they got the safe word. Have a safety word. Um, flicking lights on and off. If your neighbors are aware that you're in an abusive relationship, um, your front porch light, if you start flicking that off and on a few times and you let the person across who lives across from you know or send them a text or just randomly push the alarm button on your car, hmm. do that three times, someone will pick up and be like, something's wrong with your car or they'll just come over to check and see what's going on. But the, the your, your, your abuser won't know. So these are key things that you can use to help reach out for help if you don't have a phone. Um, If you're able to assess a hiding spot when your abuser isn't home, find somewhere for you and your kids to get safe. Even if it's just your kids, tell them the plan. Get to a safe spot, whether it's hide in the basement, crawl out the basement window, go and hide in the bushes in the backyard, literally anything, and they'll find out where they are later, or they can go straight to a neighbor. There's there's I think there's plans that will work, but you gotta figure out which ones are your best options. So yeah, I think that's kind of all I've got. Okay. And of course, as your podcast unfolds, I'm sure you're going to be sharing more resources, more advice, tips, things like that for women that find themselves in difficult situations. But um, I I think that's a good place to leave it for now. So I just wanted to thank Mm -hmm. you like very, very much for coming and and sharing this personal stuff because I know it, 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 it can't have been easy to remember some of these things. No, it's it's it, it kind of gets a little easier when you heal over time. It just takes time. All right. Well, if anybody's interested in checking out Janelle's show, they can find a link to it on my webpage, which is at acfisher.com. That is A-C-F-I-S-C-H-E-R.com. Also, if you'd like to hear um, anything I've been working on with the estranged heart podcast. Again, you can find that on all major pa- podcast platforms as well as at the estrangedheart.com to anybody who finds himself in a situation that's difficult or abusive, or maybe one you're just not even sure about just do what I tell my kids, you know, find a trusted grown up, have a conversation when things are calm, when things are good, that's when you need to be making a plan. Don't wait until you're frazzled and doing your yeah. worst thinking. You make a plan when you are in your clearest mindset. As we've learned talking to Janelle over the last half hour or so, even the the, the worst form of abuser is going to have good days. There's still going to be things to look forward to with them. You're going to live a normal life. You're going to feel loved. You're going to feel appreciated. You're going to feel like you belong with them don't fall for that trap you get yourself the help that you deserve 
don't let anybody reduce your your value because your value is great even if you don't see it you are a valuable person there are people who want to love you they want to help you but they can't do that when you've got this abuser that's in the way so on that note my friends until next time take care of yourselves please take care of yourselves above all else and um, until next time much love